Welcome back to Design Pod with me, Hamish Kilburn. This whole entire series is sponsored by Minotti London. If you're looking for high quality, beautifully designed furniture pieces that combine inspiration from international designers with a strong Italian DNA still, then look no further. The expansive Fitzrovia showroom now features some of the hottest furniture pieces in the 2022 collection, which dropped just a few months ago over in Milan, including some of my favorites from designers such as Inoda and Schwe. We had them on the podcast recently, so please scroll back into the archive to listen to that. Gam Fratesi, who joined us on the podcast last series, just before their 2022 collection was dropping. Studio MK27 and the one and only Rodolfo Dordoni. The showroom over the years has pretty much become my second lounge for me and hotel designs. And the team there, and I don't say this lightly, they genuinely feel like extended family, which I think is rare, but also is so important for designers who really want to get to know the people behind the brand. So if you've got a few hours to kill when you're in London or you want to set some time aside to understand more about Minotti and their journey, then absolutely book an appointment or just simply drop in to discover the design narratives behind the latest items of furniture. Chances are you'll probably see me there too, given how much I use the space. So in this episode of Design Pod, we take a different approach. Instead of meeting an independent interior designer or architect or one from a studio, we've decided to welcome a designer who works for a hotel group responsible for all the design decisions which when you think about it presents a new set of challenges especially at the rate that this brand is growing internationally don't just take my word for it i was speaking to a designer the other day who was saying how purely lovely matthew ballon head of design at ruby hotels is who is our special guest this week Matthew and I met, I think it was 2018, at the opening of Ruby Lenny in Dusseldorf. Um, And the the hotel was uh, magical, really. It takes shelter in a former theatre, and it really is something special. Me being me, a kino journalist who always wants to get in there first with a story, I'd arrange with Ruby Hotel's PR team, who are the wonderful people at Griffco, to interview Matthew early in the morning after the hotel's opening party, which was, as you can imagine, wild. I've actually never seen so many glasses of Aperol Spritz lined up on the bar. (laughs) In hindsight, therefore, we probably should have arranged to do this interview a little bit later in the day, given how much we were just, we were killing it on the dance floor a few hours before, as you do at opening parties. So slightly jaded for the night before, but warmly familiar with one another. We decided to take a photo after the interview. Um, It's over on my Instagram at Hotel Design Editor. And uh, you have to see it because it captures the moment so perfectly. It shows me smiling my head off probably still drunk and Matthew basically holding his face in his hands <laughs> which it sums up the vibe so well but more importantly um, it, it was it was really the start of what I can comfortably now say has become a meaningful friendship and I genuinely believe it's those uncurated moments that make the difference in this industry between colleagues and clients and just something more Now, before we meet Matthew, here's a little sort of teaser of what Ruby Hotels is all about. So the brand was founded in 2013 um, and each hotel shelters this lean luxury hospitality and hotel design concept, which of course I had to ask Matthew all about. I also believe that the hotel group has, I think, 13 properties with a further 22 hotels under construction, so they're not moving slowly. Matthew uh, and his team's job is essentially 
And very simply, it's a little bit more complicated than this, obviously, but to make each hotel feel unique without losing the strong Ruby Hotel signature style. I'm sure it's easier said than done. So how do you even begin to do that? Well, I caught up with Matthew to find this out, but I also really wanted to understand more about his design journey as well. So here's the interview. Matthew Ballon, welcome to the Design Pod podcast. How are you? Thank you. Very well. It's, it's great to be here today. Yeah. And where in the world are you? Which Ruby hotels are you? So I am from? sitting in bed at Ruby Rosie, which is our second hotel in Munich, which we uh, opened this year at the beginning of this year or so. Amazing. And you and I know each other because I came, I went to the opening of, I think it was Ruby Lenny in yes. Dusseldorf. Yes, and there's, there's a picture which will be on our Instagram, uh, which <laughs> is basically <laughs> us pretty hungover from the night before. Ruby knows how to party, right? They Their do. opening parties are wild. <laughs> yeah, it was a very <laughs> early interview the next morning, uh, quite early. So That's when we, we met, wasn't it? <laughs> we, we did. We struggled through, but we got there in the end. So... <laughs> <laughs> so um so this this podcast episode is all about lean luxury um to really understand the concept and and when we're kind of especially with hotels you know hotels are businesses so when you're creating luxury but potentially on a budget or making it a bit more affordable yeah. we want to understand within this episode what are the key areas to to, to keep in and what are the yeah. areas to sort of, you know, you can kind of um, fade out. Um, so right. for you and, and Ruby Hotels, so, so you're head of design or design director at, um, at Ruby Hotels, aren't you? So you're, you're in charge of the overall design decisions and specifying as well, which is always fun, yeah. especially in yes. today's society. <laughs> <laughs> so, and one of the real unique selling points of the brand is this lean luxury, which we see time mm -hmm. and time again through, yeah. through Ruby. So what, what does that mean? And how has that definition evolved over the last couple of years? Lean luxury was really birthed out of this idea of what does the guest, what is our guest, what do they really need? And what are kind of, and what can we leave off? And we realized in the, you know, the hotel industry, there's kind of a lot of holdovers from you know, things people used to need and love and do in the 1950s, 60s and 70s that a lot of hotel brands kind of just kept doing. And we went in and really had a hard look at what can we leave away? So do we really need, you know, a machine to shine your shoes in the lobby or which a lot of hotels offer? Or is that something we can say, nah, no one really shines the shoes anymore? So that's kind of how the conversation about lean luxury started. And so there's it has an impact on design and the way that we set up our hotel spaces we've basically decided for us what's important is a great bed, a great shower, and a great bar. So if you get those key points right, then I think you're already doing really well. And so by leaving off maybe some of the other services, it also helps us cut costs. So we're able then to pass on those savings to the guests and offer really high quality product at a lower price point. So another aspect of that that's really important too is just where is your hotel located in a city? And for Ruby, it's always been really important to have a great location in the city. So the guests, you know, we don't have a, a restaurant in the hotel, so we don't have a restaurant kitchen. So we don't have the restaurant staff and we don't have, you know, the space wasted for a restaurant kitchen because really you can walk out the front door and there's great restaurants just right down the street. So we're really looking at seeing what can we sort of, what does the neighborhood offer us and offer our guests so that we don't have to offer it to them as well. So it gives the guests then really a chance to kind of pick and choose where they want to eat, where they want to go out, 
as opposed to maybe, you know, doing all that in the hotel. I guess what what's interesting is is when it comes to specifying as a designer, you're not specifying cheap products either. You know, it's real quality that's going into each of the hotels that you specify. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So although it may be lean on certain aspects, when it comes to actually the design and the products that you're you're putting into the hotels, they are high spec. They are. So our philosophy is what we do offer, we want to offer in the best possible quality that that we can. So by leaving off some of those other bits. In German, they have a great word for it. They call it schnickschnack. Uh, schnick by leaving off some of the schnickschnack, <laughs> uh, sort of the bells and whistles, the if you will, is just brilliant, uh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it allows us to really offer the things that we do offer. Like I said, the things that are important, the bed linens, the shower, um, that we can really offer that in a high quality. So I think mm. you're getting, I think it meets um, a real need and is, is a great niche. And I'm not going to lie, when I first um, went to Ruby Lenny, because that was my first Ruby Hotel, I was a little bit apprehensive with this whole lean luxury concept and, and what that would look and more importantly, what, what that would feel like. Because yeah. often when you strip out a certain aspect of luxury, you strip out the personality and you strip out the human interaction mm. between people. Yeah. And I, I never felt that actually. And, and interestingly, there's a story because I met um, Michael Struck on um, that trip, which who is your CEO and founder, yes. lovely, lovely man, realized that when I was um, woke up early and went down to the lobby waiting for you in fact for, for our interview don't know why I did it so early exactly. um, <laughs> I noticed I noticed Michael was coming back from his run so I was like ah okay he's a runner so yeah. when you guys then opened in London and I'd obviously met Michael I was like right that's it we're gonna go for a run together but yeah. again you guys love to party and we partied far <laughs> too hard Michael was really clever and he took a, a sip of water every drink I did on the other hand and we went for a run at seven o'clock in the morning the next day i think we did about seven miles he's really Ooh. fast by the way and <laughs> yeah. it was there's a picture of us and honestly i look like a ghost compared to him but my yeah. point is it's like you haven't lost that human interaction between people yeah. and and i haven't just seen it with myself i've seen it with your guests checking in as well there's definitely that yeah. kind of vibe and that energy going on through the public areas so from yeah. a design perspective how do you create that well one thing that's important i think just from an interaction standpoint is you know, we don't have a separate check-in, but the guests are coming and they're checking in at the bar. So you instantly have that connection with the barkeeper or the host who's working there. And it's just a little bit more of an informal way of checking in. And you can also check in all by yourself and, you know, it spits out the room card for you as so you can be on your way. So it kind of gets the guests the choice of if how much interaction they want to have. But I think in terms of kind of breathing life and authenticity into the public areas, um, we love to work with vintage furniture, also um, vintage building materials. So we have a, a part of my team is, is just involved with sourcing all these great vintage objects, which I think just give the public areas that, that little bit of extra character. And, you know, to me personally, it's really interesting to think about each chair, each object we have in there has had its own life sort of before they came to Ruby and to think about that and sort of you know, has this chair been owned by one person or has this been owned by 50 people? And so each object brings its own kind of unique little bit of history into the public areas of the hotel. So I really enjoy kind of sharing all these items that we've curated and found with the guests. Ruby Lucy in London, um, it's, it's all about the, a carnival. And we found a sort of a busking organ, which uh, it's basically a street organ and it, you by turning a crank it feeds a, a card through the organ and it plays music and it was kind of one of these things where I just had these memories as a kid of 
you know, walking, walking along, um, I'm from Chicago originally, so walking along the lakeshore in Chicago and seeing people out on the street making music. And it was kind of one of those things where I felt like, oh, that's something I've always wanted to do. So when we found this organ, uh, I was, it was just really fun. And so whenever I'm in the hotel, you know, I'll get it out and we'll feed the cards through and, and play music and give the guests also a chance to try out this organ. So I love those kind of interactive pieces too, where they're not just, they're not just there to kind of be pretty, but they also have, yeah. have a story and bring up positive memories and are, and are interactive. Is there anything you brought to the table that's been like, this is just too wild. How are we, how are we gonna make this work? <laughs> Um, not yet. <laughs> We're definitely. And what is the process? Do you do you submit all of this or your design to to Michael and the team, or is it completely on on you to deliver the design? What what is the process there? So at Ruby, it's it's something special about the brand is that we do all of our design work in house. So we have a team of designers. So for each hotel project we're doing. Um, we have one designer who's in the lead role, who's who's basically kind of running the daily business for, uh, from a design aspect for that project. So we'll we'll create a story. We're really it's really important to me to to research and put a lot of research into the locations we're going into and come up with a story that will give us sort of a lot of input for then fleshing out the design. So interior designers are different though. We there's you know some people on the team like to really do the conceptual work. Some people on the team maybe like to do more of the, you know, they really get into the details and drawing out the joinery items. So it it's kind of depends in the team how much they want to sort of get in on the conceptual end of things. Mm. Um, so I might do more or less in that aspect. But then uh, we develop a concept. We we present it then in house, show that to Michael and, and and to the team and and get their input. And then after that, we're really we really it really takes off. And then we start you know looking at the joinery pieces and designing sort of those key elements in the rooms. And then you know, as the project progresses, normally about six months before opening, then we'll hit, you know, sourcing. So we're sourcing objects from all over, from all over Europe. Um, those things are getting sent to the warehouse. That's a really fun stage too, to get in at and to see, and to really start looking at exactly the objects that you can find to fit, to fit the story. So, yeah, I can imagine as a designer working for the brand and forgive me for using this term because it is normally seen as a negative but the fact that the bedrooms are kind of cookie cutter in terms of you know you check into any ruby hotel around the world and you're you're gonna have the same bedroom experience um, yeah. and there's going to be little details that obviously inject sense of place but really like on the whole the bedroom is kind of designed already in terms of spec and and, and all of that because it's you, you know you've yeah. got the formula and, and why why change that so therefore I can imagine you can really go in on the details in other areas of the hotel to really play on that and that as a designer must be really kind of exciting I guess yeah it is I think with the rooms we work with a lot of existing buildings so I think where we're putting a lot of work into the rooms is making just sort of the the floor plan of the room work we've had rooms that are round we've had triangular shaped rooms so you're right we have these standard elements that we work with but we do put a lot of work into making sure that the layout fits and we would yeah. accept a lot of sort of maybe strange layouts that other brands might shy away from. But when it comes to really designing and coming up with new elements that are really driven by the story we're telling at each location, a lot of that happens in the public area. So it is fun to sort of dive in there and, uh, and, and hit it hard with, with those elements. 
Yeah. And do you ever, obviously, you've already touched upon the fact that your hotels are located in such central points, such interesting locations, actually, and ones that maybe you wouldn't expect. So I'm thinking about Ruby Lucy, it not being, you know, in the heart of Soho or in Mayfair, it it really being on the the South Bank, which is a really vibrant and eclectic neighborhood in itself. Um, Do you find... I mean, how, how do you inject sense of place without it seeming so obvious? Because obviously these hotels have to suit the locals as well as travellers. It has to yeah. really sort of balance those lines. Yeah, it's an interesting question uh, is sort of, you know, with especially with certain European cities, European capitals, there is sort of a, a cliche there, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is you have to sort of keep that in mind. You know, we if we're designing a hotel in London, we want to deliver a product where the guest who's coming in, say, um, from the United States, that they have that sense of place and they feel like in this hotel, I'm in London. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can, you know, put a picture of Big Ben on the wall and then it's done. You know, we're yeah. trying to look at what are stories that we can tell in the hotels that that fit their location, but at the same time are maybe a little bit less known. So for us, what that means is really doing a lot of research and taking a lot of time in developing the concepts. I don't think it's something you can do fast. I think you really need to put in the work early days in the project to come up with with a story that has a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of meat to it that that really can contribute or something that we can really show in the interior design of the hotel. So Mm. I love history. I, I love that part of the design process. I love the conceptual aspects and kind of digging into what makes you know, each city, each location within a city special, so. Yeah, and I guess a really great example of um, the contrast between the two sort of, well, two hotels would be um, Ruby Lenny being one, um, and yeah. then just down the road is is Ruby Coco. Um, that's when right. I came to visit you guys, that's that's what I did. I went to check into both hotels, and I was really amazed with the the stark contrast because Coco really took on like the fashion role, and it was yeah. more sort of within that fashion district, whereas Lenny was a bit more reserved, a bit further out. Was it music that was the the focus for Lenny? So Lenny was was um, it was actually a theater, wasn't it? It was that's right. It was it was yeah. on the location of a former theater, so we pulled a lot of the history of that theater and some of the plays that they had done. There was a writer Faust and um, a very famous German German author, and a lot of his plays were shown in that theater. So we kind of pulled some aspects of that into the interior design for Lenny. And the the hotel group started in Germany, and you've got a, mm-hmm. an, an amazing footprint in Germany in terms of hotels obviously you're expanding into, into further Europe and beyond I yeah. imagine how is the design and look and feel going to change as you sort of enter into new territories well one project we're working on right now I was actually just there yesterday is in is in Florence in Italy and that's oh, been... such a beautiful place I was it, there is. Recently. Oh, it is so it's really much, stunningly so beautiful yeah and just just outside you've got the tuscan hills and oh, mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful place oh that's exciting i'll come visit yeah. that one <laughs> yes definitely so we've got a, a wonderful historic building that we're working with and i think moving into italy and which is kind of a different climate zone we've done a lot sort of in northern europe but you know each new hotel each new market that we step into brings with it unique design challenges and some of them are just sort of simple restrictions of code things that you know you can do this there but you can't do this so we're constantly adapting the product you know to meet sort of on a very basic level just the code requirements and the local requirements but we're also doing that step of seeing what does that mean for the look and feel of the brand do we want to say inject a little more color or how can we make the product fit this setting because the settings are so so drastically different so 
it's something that we're in dialogue a lot about of sort of we don't want to just um, keep doing the same thing over and over because that's what we've always done. We really want to take that sort of that critical look with each new project and see, does this still fit? Does this still make sense? Or do we need to make sort of soft changes, soft modifications to really feel, uh, for it to feel, you know, right in that setting? Yeah, and I, I guess you, you've really got to go up against the Airbnb market, the, you know, because that's I mean I was just speaking to someone the other day who's going to Florence and she was like yep we've got our Airbnb because it's it's a very convenient service so actually as yeah. a hotel you need to offer all of that and and more in terms of experience yeah with the comfort it's, as it's well true. as the experience yeah there's Florence is a unique hotel market there's actually um there's a lot well, of the hotels there seem very kind of grand and sort of rooted yeah. into the destination there aren't that many sort of new from what i saw in the very little time i was there there aren't actually that many new hotels um mm -hmm. but the buildings the buildings are fascinating they're so they're so tall and vast in terms of like they townhouses are. um they are yeah, and empty so actually inside because you walk in and there's just like an empty courtyard it's just like what, what is this space <laughs> yeah yeah so um it's it's true there's there's not a lot of sort of um, interesting new products on the market uh, in Florence. It's actually a very similar situation in Geneva where we opened um, recently as well. It kind of felt like the market was quite, we would say dusty, you know, there wasn't, it didn't feel like there was a lot going on. So for us, it's really exciting to come into those markets and really say, hey, we've got something completely different that's not here. Um, it's, I think for us as a brand, it's easier to make a splash in those type, types of markets. How many projects do you tend to work on at once? maybe eight. Wow. So, yeah, you know, they're all in different stages. Some of them are, of you know, maybe very early days and some of them you might be in a stage where you're really, you know, doing a lot of drawing or we're sourcing or you're right before the opening. So we're very much involved with setting up the hotel um, before we open. So it's a lot going on at once. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and what, what does it take to be um, a Ruby Hotels designer? What do you look for in your team? That's a very good question. I think it's important to be to have a sort of dive in quality, not to be scared. Um, you know, things will always go wrong. There's things that you plan for that that then don't happen. So I think you need to really roll with the punches and have that kind of flexibility and have that that ability to kind of, you know, make the best out of any situation. And, you know, as I mentioned before, we're working with really different types of buildings. So the public areas can be very, very different. Um, so you're always kind of looking at, okay, what do we have here? How can we, you know, make the most of that? I think it's important to have kind of that sense of courage. Yeah, for sure. And also be, be willing to be able to party and celebrate at the end of it as well. I think that's such an important part of the process. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we've, we, it's not like it's a part of the job interview, but I, you know, it is nice to be able to get out with the entire department and, yeah. you know, on the dance floor or have a drink and celebrate at a party to just the accomplishment of opening a hotel because so much work goes into oh, it. And especially after the last few years. I mean, yeah. we, just, we just really live for those moments, I think. Absolutely. In design, for sure. So you've been at um, Ruby for, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but is it coming up to six years? Yeah, it's about five and a half. Yeah. Okay, five and a half years. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about your, your journey before Ruby. Um, up to now really well i i went to college very late or university here here in munich germany um i didn't really know what i wanted to do as a young person i was sort of just interested in so many different creative fields so that happened for me quite late and then after i graduated from i went to a fine arts school here in munich 
Um, I found a job right away working for a local architectural office doing kind of retail design. Um, and that was all right for a while, but then I kind of felt like, you know, in the beginning, early days of your career, especially in architecture, people want to kind of change every year or two because there's so many things you can do with it. So I felt like, oh, I kind of want to go in a different direction. So I ended up working um, for an interior architecture office here in Munich that was doing hotel design. So they were working, you know, we were working with well-known brands and doing sort of soft refurbishments and full refurbishments of different parts of different hotels in Europe. And I found that I, what I really love about hotels is there's so many aspects to them. So you have sort of, you know, you have the hotel room and you have the public spaces and you have the bar and there's really, there's, you know, exterior spaces as well. You might have a great terrace. So it encompasses so much of interior design. And I think that has been what keeps me kind of going and what keeps me coming back to it is because there's always something new and it's, there's just a lot there. So yeah and also it's it's so part of of, of people's lives i mean yeah. how do you feel when you walk into a hotel people don't necessarily know who you are and you're just seeing the space being used exactly the, or maybe not but i would say exactly the way you intended it to be used yeah it's it's great <laughs> I, I kind of love that moment at at an opening party too is just to kind of take a moment and sit down and just see people enjoying the space and and of course you know on a practical level i'm interested in seeing where do people sit down first in the public spaces when it's empty, you know, like what are the tables, what are the, the sort of the situations where people feel most comfortable? And I'm always looking at that and seeing, or what does, does that ever surprise you, know? you what you find? Yeah, I, I, sometimes it does. I think sometimes things will be maybe more effective than I thought they were. And then other things that we've done, you realize, oh, that's not really being kind of accepted in the same way we hoped it would be. So I think it's really important to learn from the work that you've done after it's, you know, after it's been opened or perhaps we've used a finish on something that didn't stand up, you know, as long as we thought it would. So we have to go in and change something out. So we're, we're trying to really constantly learn with each hotel and yeah, uh, and that keeps it super interesting. It all us. feels very considered though. So, I mean, you mentioned earlier about the check-in experience. So yeah, it may be um, utilizing technology in terms of you can just print out your own, um, your own key, but the fact that you've, you, you know you check in at the bar means that the interaction with the barman or the, the bar um or the, the the staff behind the bar it really becomes more authentic because it's much easier to talk to someone behind a bar than it is a lobby desk so Absolutely. actually it's all very well considered um yeah have you found that hard injecting technology and not falling into the line of being gimmicky well you know i think when it comes to technology everybody has sort of their level of personal taste some mm. people love it I myself personally um, don't love it too much. So we ch I try to keep it, you know, very simple. And I feel like one of the challenges in working with hotel design is I try to design the buildings in such a way that I don't have to communicate that, you know, everything to the guests. So you don't need like a little sticker or a little button to tell the guests do this and that, or, you know, this is where you need to go. I try to make everything feel as intuitive as possible. So I think some technology does that really well. Some of the things that we've tried in the past didn't really deliver on that, where it felt like it requires so much explaining for the guests mm. to maybe get in and enjoy what we're what we're trying to share with them. So I, think, I try to keep it simple. Yeah, I th it, it does feel simple actually checking in, but it never feels boring. And 
I kind of want to go back to I'm, I'm remembering all these things I completely <laughs> forgot about this but the headboard at Ruby Lenny is you've got the the paper um characters of of being in a, obviously it is in a, an old theater a converted yeah. theater so you've created these sort of paper characters behind the bed which just makes it more playful and you know it's a cost-effective way of adding personality into the brand um yeah and the hotel i mean each hotel has its own identity and I, I love the way that you um just break the rules in that way you know that is oh, like a, kind of like a no-no maybe but it doesn't <laughs> really matter because it's just it's just what it is it just adds a layer to it yeah well i think for me personally it's important that design is really is something very inclusive and i think design can be used in a way to exclude people to make people feel uncomfortable and i really like to go in the opposite direction where if we're going to do a piece of artwork over the bed I'd like it to be something that that you know the guests can play with or have fun with or um, that's interactive. Like I mentioned with the Oregon as well, it's about the interaction and people being able to, yeah, to to literally you know touch things and not feel like there's things are off bounds. So to me, it's really important to create that that inclusive environment, and I think design should be used to do that more. Yeah, I mean, it I massively get the sense that you really and your team really pour your hearts into each project does that do you ever get to the end of a project and be like how, how are we going to top this like <laughs> how are we going to find a better vintage because the thing is of finding vintage pieces it, it's a journey and it's one of self-discovery but one that really is the unknown you don't know if you're going to find that piece or not you don't really know where to look so have you got yeah. any advice for designers who are searching out vintage items um, yeah, I think for us, it started with just being, um, not making it too complicated. So we would just go on eBay and look for things. And then over time, we found, okay, there's some dealers on eBay that specialize in certain things. So they might have a certain kind of cocktail chair that we have uh, that we like to use. And so we would go back to that dealer. And we also have, you know, different, now over time, sort of a network of of different stores and, and dealers in different countries that we work with. So I think investing in those relationships with, with people who are selling vintage furniture is important. So a lot of times when we're coming up with a new project, we'll send them like a design brief and say, hey, this is the story. This is what we're looking for. Do you have something that could that could fit that? And then they'll send suggestions back of, you know, oh, this might work or this might work. But, you know, a lot of times we're just shopping online as well and kind of as you would, you know, going on onto ebay and different sites and just buying that way as well so it's a mixture between searching online but also establishing really sort of meaningful relationships so that yeah. you know the people that you're establishing those relationships with really understand um, what you're trying to create as well yeah we're trying to cast a really broad net um so that so maybe by a certain projects the dealers won't necessarily have what we're looking for so we need to buy a lot online or buy a lot individually or with certain stories that we tell, we might find one dealer who has a ton of great stuff. Um, so it really varies depending on kind of the the type of things that you're looking for. Let's talk about lockdown because um, yes. it's a positive story. You guys were busier than ever, really, weren't you? You sort of <laughs> we went were. into lockdown with a really aggressive pipeline in terms of what you were opening in various cities around um, Europe. Um, and that didn't really halt during lockdown because you just carried on. We did. You know, I think there was sort of a lot of apprehension about the, the whole hotel industry. And of course, you know, a number of hotels were, were closed at different periods during during lockdown. But 
For us, you know, the, the ball kind of kept rolling. So we opened more hotels during lockdown than we ever had before in, in one year. So we were trying to find new ways of working. And obviously we weren't on site maybe as much as we would have been uh, previously. But again, it's that thing of trying to, you got to make it work and you got to kind of at the end of the day, um, finish on time. So it really, it took kind of a lot of, it took more planning, I think, to, to get that done. But really, it didn't feel from our end like there was any kind of slowdown. You know, it was just um, one project after another. So it, it was actually for us a really positive experience. And I think taking that, that leap into looking at different ways of how we work together as a team, you know, with us not all being in the office together every day, then you have to structure yourself differently. And I think that's something a lot of companies went through um, during COVID, which now has had a really positive effect on, on how we work together. Yeah. And uh, lastly, Matthew, what's what's next for Ruby Hotels? Well, I think, you know, at Ruby, when you have a very creative group of really visionary people, I'm, I'm often asking myself the same question. Um, Come on, I what's think... next? <laughs> I can imagine you saying it as well. <laughs> you know, as I mentioned before, we're, you know, moving into new markets. Um, we opened in Amsterdam recently and moving into Italy. That's always super, super fun for us because there's so much to discover there. So, so much there. Um, and so also in as... so many different, every territory is different. You know, Florence yeah. feels very different to Naples. Naples feels very different to Milan. And it's just really exciting to be able to, I'm not suggesting that's where you're going to end up, but I'm just <laughs> saying in terms of like city to city, like neighborhood to neighborhood, it's you've yeah. just got so much to play with. So I think for me, it's kind of about like staying focused on the work that we're doing right now and making it as as good as it can be and really enjoying each new location that that we open and at the same time of course I'm kind of looking into the future and seeing you know where Ruby wants wants to go next so I I definitely wouldn't want to limit that in any way of what we what we might be doing in a few years because as I said it's it's a really creative and, and visionary yeah, team sure. so so there is so that as you know that's always exciting but at the same time I'm I am very much focused on on getting the work done every day. Yeah. I, I see you a bit as a, like a, a puppet master just in terms of um, <laughs> you know because that lean luxury concept could go wild and could really not have a definition at all and just yeah. really not work but actually yeah. it, design has to play such a huge role in order to make sure that's packaged in a way that feels comfortable for those that know the brand but also feels yeah. exciting in in the same way. So I, I think that, you know, you're, you obviously get a lot of credit for what you do with the team, but I think in wider scale, I think, you know, working in-house, sometimes you can lose your identity a little bit, but mm. what you do and your team does, it's amazing with each hotel you open. So I'm well, very, very excited to see what's next. Thank you so <laughs> much, you Matthew. And I My look pleasure. You next party. <laughs> yes, that's good. And there you have it, my wonderful catch up with Matthew Ballon. You obviously couldn't see, but we recorded this interview over Zoom. And Matthew was just casually sat on one of the beds at Ruby Hotels, comfortably and effortlessly just hanging out, which is kind of where I imagine in my head that he does the majority of his business calls from. And how many people can say that? Before seeing the lean luxury concept in person that is so prevalent in all the hotels uh, under the group's umbrella, I actually hated the sound of it, just because stripping away things in hotels is often such a bad decision when guests these days need personable experiences and have such unique demands that have to be catered for. But I love how Ruby has managed to create this lean luxury concept while actually enhancing the guest experience along the way and allowing each guest to 
therefore travel deeper into the neighbourhoods they're in. Honestly, I don't know what the magic formula is, but it undoubtedly works. I am a big, big fan of Ruby Hotels and it absolutely helps that they're able to throw a good opening party. On that note, I'm going to wrap up this episode, which as always has been a joy to make. If you enjoy listening to these podcasts, please recommend them to friends and colleagues and share on your social media. That would just be amazing. And I look forward to seeing you very soon.